Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and doctor of internal medicine, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-890-9783. And topics today are going to include pacemakers, uh, apparently a link between a appendicitis or removal of the appendix and Parkinson's? Yeah, I just saw that. It's really fascinating because it, it'll, it'll also help us talk about the amazing thing between gut bacteria and the relationship to your health and the relationship to your entire functioning organism. I mean, there's more bacteria in your gut than there are human cells in your body. Right, I want to get a definition and, of gut in yeah, just a minute. Absolutely. So also, we're going to talk about that. Do doctors give better care in the morning? And your phone calls. Call us up at 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Dr. Franklin Weefall. Uh, David Alexander, how, how are, are you, you today? I, I'm good. I, I, Did you have a good bit, week? I had a good week, but I got the sniffles yeah, halfway I, through. I had some sort of you know, low-grade virus with muscle aches the whole day. Did you make it in anyway? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, you can't not work. Yeah. You know, if you do what I do. Right. Um, I have not had a sick day. Actually, I had one sick day, but it was half a day. I had a sinus headache mm-hmm. when the um, pine pollen was getting us. Yeah. But I've got that and rid of that. But listen, two things before we get started, two yeah. shout outs. Yeah. We talked before a couple of weeks ago about Gabriel Redmond. He's the gentleman from Smithfield who yes. had the abnormal right coronary coming off the left coronary cusp. This is a high school student. High school student football player. Yeah. And we were all wishing him well and we had that um, GoFundMe page for him. Well, great news. He yeah. went in and had the surgery. He's home. I saw him in the office Friday. Can't tell. It's like it never happened. Really? Well, And then remember I talked before about how they were going to have to open his chest at the sternum, Yeah. open it up. They did it a different way, and they taught me something. Because of the way they were going to do the surgery, they only had to expose one part of the heart. So they went in between his second and third rib on the right side of his chest. Now you ask, how do they put him on the heart-lung machine? Because usually when you stop the heart, you have to go into the aorta from inside the chest and carry that blood out to the heart-lung machine and then put it back in. That was my first thought. They went in his leg. And so they went up to the aorta from the leg above the heart and inflated a balloon and occluded. It's called a balloon occluder bypass. And then they just took that blood right from the aorta behind the balloon and put it through the heart-lung machine. And then they took that blood and put it back into the, the other vein and brought that up to the um, area that way to feed the rest of the the, the uh, heart. So anyway, the bottom line is is that he has just a little scar that's almost always already healed. And instead of doing a bypass where they took the artery and created a new way for the blood to flow, they went and the native right coronary artery as it passed through the area by the coronary um, the normal coronary cusp on the right side the aortic valve, they made a little connection. They just, it's called an unroofing. So they took the roof off of that artery and sewed it right into the aorta where it would normally come off in a a normal set of anatomy. And it worked. 
And so he's doing great. He can uh, drive, and mm-hmm. he's going to go back to. I don't know if you remember, they did a special graduation because everybody thought he'd still be, you know, in the hospital for a week. He was in there for four days, uh-huh. and um, he's going to. Well, I'm not going to say. I just ruined the surprise. You think he's? Gonna... I ruined the surprise. He's going to go to regular graduation now. Yeah. So it's wonderful. A shout out if you're listening, Gabe. I take care of his mom, his sister. And his dad, the is, Redmond family, and they're just so blessed. Is Gabe and, graduating or is he yeah, going to... he's graduating. He graduating. works at um, the Zaxby's in Smithfield. So if you all go to Zaxby's in Smithfield and you see a very large gentleman who's 6'5", yeah. and yeah. looks like a uh, uh, defensive lineman, um, that's him. And just uh, say congratulations. Excellent. And the other shout out, <laughs> yeah, this I is had weird. a patient and I haven't gotten his permission to say his name, so I won't say yeah, his don't, name. Don't, don't. But he came to me and I said, you know, how did you find me? How did you say, well, Dr. Weefeld, I just got out of prison. And he was in there for a while. And he said, listen, all Saturday, every Saturday at four o'clock yes. at the Johnston State Prison, we all get together and listen to your show. So that's great. And whatever you're, you know, whatever you're doing and you're listening to the show and you're getting information about your health, that's great. Yep. And I believe that... Anybody who's anywhere is uh, one of God's children and that people can all flourish and be better. So if you're listening out there, I'm glad you're um, one of our listeners or some of our listeners. And keep it up. And, you know, I just think that that's wonderful. All right. C-Block wants to hear about pacemakers. Oh, C-Block. Okay. Well, (laughs) I don't even know whether they have a C-Block, but let's just go with that. Angels with Dirty Faces. Did you ever see that movie? I do. Yes. Yes, yes, I saw that. There used to be a lot of prison movies. There aren't any more prison movies. Yeah. It's it's not as much fun. Edward G. Robinson. You Dirty Rat. Yeah, it's back when, you know, going to prison was... It was inconvenient, inconvenient, but not yeah. as dangerous as it is now. Okay, well, pacemakers, I used to put them in when I was going into uh, the hospital, mainly at weight med, and they're wonderful things. Um, yeah. People, it's sort of mysterious for some. It's not a big deal. I mean, the pacemaker was first developed probably 40 years ago, and these things were huge. I mean, the battery system had to be replaced once a year, and they could only um, beat in one chamber. So your heart has four chambers, and... The usual pacemaker has a little tiny soft, we call it a wire, but people think of that as a very stiff thing that's going to poke through your heart. It's basically stiff spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, when it, the spaghetti's cooked. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And we can use Delicious an x-ray. Spaghetti. Yeah, we go under the collarbone, and yes. then under x-ray, we can actually guide this, this soft tube into the right side of the heart and secure it. Sometimes... Um, you just it's it's got a screw on the outside and you start turning where yeah. the uh, wire emerges from the body and it allows a screw to come out and go right into the meat of the, the heart and then you put another wire up into the right side uh, of the top called the right atrium and then you can control the electrical beating of the heart so the pacemaker prevents your heart from going too slow it doesn't genuinely, generally do anything about the heart going too fast. So the most common reason to put in a pacemaker is what we call tachybrady or sick sinus syndrome. The sinus node controls how fast the pacemaker, I mean, the the heart beats Mm -hmm. and how slow it beats. So if that's not working well, you need a pacemaker to keep your heart from going too slow and then certain medications to keep it from going too fast. Now, to make things complicated, there are now pacemakers who can sense 
that the upper chamber is going too fast and give it a shock mm-hmm. um, on the top. And that's not a defibrillator. That's actually what we call an atrial tachycardia pacemaker. And so that's your basic pacemaker. Now, they make another type of pacemaker for people who have very weak hearts. And if they have an electrical abnormality called a left bundle branch block. So there are three bundles that carry electricity down to the bottom part of the heart, the left anterior bundle that's on the left side of the heart, the left posterior, and the right bundle. If the entire left bundle is blocked, sometimes the heart won't beat right and it'll get very weak and flabby and cause mm-hmm. heart failure. Well, now we can put a third wire in around to the back of the left ventricle, and then we coordinate the beating of the right ventricle and the left ventricle. So the right ventricle pumps blood to the lungs, the left ventricle pumps blood to the body. And once you coordinate that beating, the heart gets stronger and the heart failure has a tendency to go away. Now, the third type is what we call a pacemaker defibrillator. And a defibrillator, I call it to my patients, the emergency room in a can, okay? (laughs) So if you have a weak heart, if you've had a heart attack, if you've got a big scar where the fresh heart muscle used to be because it's died from a heart attack, there is a danger you can get what's called ventricular fibrillation. So when somebody says, my grandpa died of a heart attack, most of the time what they're talking about is the blood flow got cut off by a clot in the blood vessel, the heart tissue died, and surrounding that dead heart tissue, the electricity became very irregular. It's called ventricular fibrillation, and the heart stopped. Mm-hmm. So what we used to have to do in that situation is grab those paddles and yeah. put them on the side of the chest yep. and give an electric shock, which basically wipes out the abnormal activity and allows the regular electrical activity to come back. Well, that's what a pacemaker defibrillator does. And so that wire that goes down into the right side of the heart from under the, the, the um, collarbone into the vein mm-hmm. that feeds right into the heart, that wire can also deliver a shock. So. The pacemakers are very small now. They're about the size of two silver dollars stacked on top of each other. The defibrillator is slightly bigger than that because it has to have a very large um, battery to power a capacitor which stores electrical energy. So it can fire that energy down that special wire into the right heart to, boom, shock the heart back. So instead of calling 911, if you've had the tendency or the probability of developing this abnormal electricity, ventricular fibrillation, the defibrillator, the pacemaker defibrillator, will sense that this is going on Mm -hmm. and deliver a shock. Now, it's life-saving. It's amazing. I've got patients who, you know, 15, 20 years ago, before these devices were in the forefront, would not have survived a heart attack. I have one patient in particular who I love. I've been taking care of him since 1999. And because I don't have permission, I'm not going to say his name, but... He had a massive heart attack, and I had to send him to Duke because nobody else would operate on him. And they replaced the back part of his heart with a Dacron patch, and he did very well. Wow. One day, yeah. one day, he was using a post hole digger. This was probably 10 years ago. Yeah. And he was digging that post hole and digging that post hole, and it was just too much, and he had a heart attack. Well, it sensed he had a pacemaker defibrillator, and it sensed that he was and going into this sudden death episode. And it started giving him a shock. Well, he was conscious the whole time, and it took like four shocks to get it back. But what did he do? He was crawling down the uh, uh, driveway. Yeah. 
but he had to go back and get his post hole digger because he didn't want someone to take his no, post hole. No, he didn't. Yeah, yes, right. yes. So that's a great story. But, Good. you know, the bottom line is these are amazing, amazing machines, and they really are machines because right, yeah. they, have, they have electrical activity and computers, and they're very smart. If we can hear from somebody who's had a pacemaker. Yeah, or a defibrillator. Defibrillator. Or it's, if it's gone off, you can describe what it's like. I've, really? I've heard that it's like a mule kicking you in the chest, although I've never had the opportunity to the, have well, Yeah, right. Who would who would look forward to that? Well, you know, the cops, so I, and this is something yeah. weird. I have patients who come in saying, I need clearance to be shocked by a taser. Yeah. And I'm going, what? I said, yeah. Um, yes. They need me, you to write down that it's safe for me to be shocked by a taser. And I say, why do you want to be shocked by a taser? They say, well, they want us to know what it feels like yes. before we shock somebody. I think, well, you know, can you imagine you, you, before we put a defibrillator in somebody that, you would that we would have to be shocked so we yeah. know what it's all about? Well, the other thing is police officers go through the training with mace. Yeah. And they, they are maced. Yes, mace? they do. Because oh my God. they fear a defense attorney is going to say, Officer so and so, do you know what it's like? <laughs> He'll be able to say well, or she'll say, be able to I say would yes. Say no, thank you. All right. 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. We'll talk about pacemakers if you want. We kind of talk about a medical procedure, a test that somebody with a pacemaker might want to yeah. yeah, well, you got to know. And the good, the good news is that a lot of people are afraid if they have a pacemaker, they can't have an MRI. Yep. And they can. All right. We'll talk about that. Also, some connection with appendix and Parkinson's. And I'm going to find out what the gut is on the human body. I know generally Absolutely. where it's located, but I don't know really what the gut is. 919-860-9783. Heart Health on News Radio 680 WPTF. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. And the telephone lines are open 919 860 9783. Slower now, 919. You have to punch that in. 860 9783. So I was going to tease it, but you told us yeah. all pacemakers are compliant. For this well, MRI thing? Okay, let's talk about this. The MRI, what is that? So a, a CAT scan is different. That's when they send a radioactive beam through your body, mm-hmm. and they have a detector on the other end. And then they spin this thing around, and the way the detectors change in their reading of the X-ray going through your body, they can create an image through computerization. Yeah. And MRI is very different. It's a magnet. Okay, so right. the MRI, cre- the, this huge, really powerful magnet, puts out a magnetic field. Now, we are composed of water and carbon and all these other compounds, and they're susceptible to magnetism. So what happens is this magnet makes all of your nuclei line up, and then when they turn the magnet on and then turn it off, as it goes off, an electron is released out of your body's uh, natural atoms. Okay. And then these electrons hit detectors and they can create a picture based on the pattern of electron emission. If you've never seen an MRI, it is fantastic. You wouldn't believe the details in the brain. Mm-hmm. Well, now the MRIs in the heart are also very good. Well, here's the problem. You have a pacemaker, it's made out of metal. And the metal was thought to interact with the magnet in such a way 
that it would be dangerous to your life because the pacemaker could malfunction. Now, here's the interesting thing. They never really did the studies. They never really did an experiment when the MRI first came out. They just said, don't use it. They just used the intuition yeah. of saying that these things, especially the wires, I mean, they're coils of metal. And so when you magnetize a coil, it can produce heat. A coil of metal magnetized yeah, yeah. will produce heat. That's what a light bulb does. Right. right. And so this is the problem. And so if you had a pacemaker, they said, I mean, no, no MRI. Well, what happened? Everybody makes mistakes. And so there are over 8,000 people in the United States of America <laughs> who accidentally, quote-unquote, got an yeah. MRI because they didn't ask and the patients didn't volunteer. Now, you can't get an MRI without people going through a, a huge um, list of, of, of activities that could be dangerous for an MRI. Well, what happened to those 8,000 people? Nothing. Really? Yeah. There were a couple who had a problem, and that's because they had very old pacemakers they weren't adjusted, and they were what we call pacemaker-dependent. There are some people whose hearts no longer will pump on their own. And so if the pacemaker gets interrupted, there's nothing underneath. Well, that got the pacemaker companies to think. And Medtronic was the first, and they developed a series of studies based on their new types of pacemakers, which are actually their older devices, just you know polished off and given yeah. new names. And they found that it was safe under most conditions. Um, so they developed billions of dollars it cost to develop an MRI-safe pacemaker. Yeah. And so now they have every single um, one, every single manufacturer has an MRI-safe pacemaker. We have a caller? Yeah, Lee Let's in Chapel Hill. Lee, welcome to the program. Very glad you called us up. What's going on, Lee? How are you feeling? Okay, Dave. How about you? Good. Good. Um, what can I do for you? The doctor, we vote. Hey. Oh, yeah, he's uh, going to help he you. Spell yeah. his name. W E F. As in Frank. A yeah, A L D. W E F as in Frank. A L D as in dog. You've done some. You're, you're mighty weak on me. Can you speak up or you got a button? Yeah, let's do this one at a time. Weefald is Frank's last name, Dr. Weefald's last name. W E F A L D. Okay, got you, W-E-F-E-L-D. Is hey. that it? We've all, uh, and you're speaking about MRI. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the Children's Hospital on Irvine Road in Durham, there is a parking road where that had to be uh, blocked off because the vehicles uh, were too close, I think I was told, to the uh, MRI. Yeah. So that road that is closest to the building that, Duke Children's Building had to be uh, <laughs> okay. locked off again. All right, now, there's no uh, way that the cars were actually sliding closer to the building. Well, well, here's what I think they were really worried about. What's that? Okay, uh, is that the magnets? I, I was told yeah. that the vehicles are were too close to the MRI yeah. in the building. Right. And let me the tell you. MRI let me tell you what that's about. Right on the other side of the wall. All right. Well, hang on, Lee. Uh, Doctor Weefald has a. Uh, Possible explanation. I have a possible explanation. What is These it? magnets, uh, the, especially the early ones, yeah. were not shielded from the outside. And these, it's unbelievable. When they made a mistake and they put a, um, a oxygen, metal oxygen tank in the same room and they yeah. turned the magnet on, it flew so fast toward that magnet that it 
basically destroyed it. And outside of the building, the magnet is still active. So there were reports initially when cars drove by the MRI machines, they would turn off. <laughs> okay. Have you ever uh, heard of the electromagnetic sure, pulse? Sure, sure. That's a, a nuclear weapons. Well, that magnet was powerful enough to mess up the electricity in the car and turn it off. So there, there are no MRI-safe cars. Okay. Okay. All but right. there are right. MRI-safe. That's probably why. That was in Durham? He says yes. Yeah. He says hey, it took. Uh, what is a... What is a sarcosis? Sarcosis. Sarcosis. Sure. Use it in a sentence. Yes. Uh, it's called a brain sarcosis. Brain sarcosis. A sarcoma? S- carcinoma? What does it refer to? Sarcosis it d- d- refers to a brain ailment. Brain ailment. I don't know. Uh, it's a pronunciation thing, yeah, perhaps I don't a spelling know. I'm thing. not sure what you're saying. Sarkozy. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite sure what you mean. We're going to look I'm it up. I'm stumped for the first time. Okay, I'll go to the library and I'll find out. Thank and you. Call us back. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Lee. I appreciate you yeah. doing that. All right. So Take it's care the of yourself. same concept. The car gets turned off. They figure the pacemaker will get turned off. The difference I, is the pacemaker doesn't have any moving parts. Okay. We don't have a lot of time before the news fellows okay. take over, but... There is this concept that you can't have metal on you. Well, you can't have metal on you, and you can't have metal in you. In you. That's mobile. But apparently this is not a fact. Yeah, and so now they spent all these billions of dollars creating these MRI-safe pacemakers. Yeah. I send my pacemakers to UNC. Yeah. And they do every single one. Yeah. And guess what? The only ones they won't do are the ones who are dependent on their pacemaker. Because okay. in the short term, it won't right. turn off. We're ready? Halfway through the show, heart health. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. Where the telephone number is 919 860 9783. And we're looking, Lee, for something that might be the thing that you asked about. And we found a a parasitic tissue infection caused by a tapeworm. But, tapeworm. Th- but, I hate, but again, I hate the, it when that happens. Well, yes. I hate it. But the pronunciation and spelling, you know, Close to Lee it. and yeah. I didn't go to that school, so we don't know quite how to pronounce yeah. If If he's talking about a brain disease caused by a tapeworm, then we found out about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. And, and if Go Lee back, wants to call going it. back to the MRI. So yeah. if you, if you, for example, when would you need an MRI? If you have a pacemaker, if your hip goes bad and the yep. orthopedist wants to do an MRI to find out if it needs to be replaced. Unfortunately, yeah. in Raleigh, you can't get one because the uh, current MRI people um, will do an MRI safe pacemaker, one that's been certified by the FDA. The FDA is looking into now back certifying all pacemakers, but they haven't done it yet. So what I, what do I do if my if one of my patients has a non-certified for MRI pacemakers? I get their MRIs. And UNC Chapel Hill mm-hmm. and East Carolina University, they're both with it. And they realize that even though it's quote-unquote off-label, yeah. they realize it's safe. And so what I do is I send them up there. Now, it takes a little bit of doing – because they'll want to have their cardiologist come down to the MRI room, look at the history, check the pacemaker out, make yeah. sure, and then adjust it temporarily, and then they'll go with it. And it's really fantastic. 
Mike in Raleigh, thanks a lot for calling uh, Heart Health on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey there. Um, I've got a question for sure. you. How um, unusual, I guess, would it be uh, that um, I ended up with a 95% LAD block? That's the widow maker. Yes. But I have no symptoms. And that's the dangerous thing. How, how, how often? I mean, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's more often than you think. Te- can no. you mind telling us how they discovered it? What was it just a routine stress test or an EKG? What happened? No, it's kind of a long story. <clears throat> Make a long story short. This, uh, December, I would wake up at night to go use the restroom. At the time, I was 64 years old, I think. And then I'd have this kind of a twinge on the backside of my shoulder. Yeah. And I'd go back to bed, sit on the edge of the bed, and go away. Right. Well, I told my doctor, I went in there, they did EKG. They did this, that, and the other thing, whatever. And finally went and had a, a chemical stress test. Right. And, and and I'm waiting to hear about that. And I'm not very patient with anything medical. And I finally get a hold of my primary doctor, and he's looking at it, and he says, uh, I don't know. You're going to have to go see a cardiologist. Okay. That didn't make me happy. And yeah. I said, well, I had another one of these little things last night, and it might have been a little... And he says, uh, go to the ER and tell him you're having chest pains. But you and weren't I having said, chest pain. I'm not having chest pain. Right. And he said, shut up and do what I tell you. <laughs> Smart doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart yeah. doctor. So I go to the ER, and I'm really embarrassed because there's nothing wrong with me as far as I'm concerned. And I end up talking finally with the ER doc, and, and and of course, he wants me to stay there and get a, what do you call that thing where they put go up into your heart? Cardiac catheterization. Right, catheterization. And he wants me to stay there and do that the next day, and um, he's having to convince me because I just soon go home. Yeah. And uh, finally, he said, listen, there's only one thing here that was why I'm arguing for this. They did a blood test that they don't normally do, and they only do, apparently, when you go to the ER. Right, troponin level. A very minute uh, level of troponin. Right. And he explained to me that that's indicative of heart damage, and that was the only thing convinced me to stay there. All right, we've got to back up and find out what an LAD is. Yeah, so the left anterior descending coronary artery, there are three major arteries to the heart. The left anterior descending is the most important, They're all important, but it's the most important because it feeds most of the the meat of the left ventricle, which is necessary to pump blood to your body. The circumflex goes around the left side and the right corner. That's what Gabriel Redmond had. His came off the wrong side. The right side goes to the back of the heart and the right ventricle. So when you have a blockage, a 95% blockage, it's cholesterol buildup. So it's like sludge on the inside of a pipe, but it's more complicated because there's clot, there's cholesterol, there's debris from tissue, and it prevents the blood from flowing. So your symptoms of shoulder discomfort, so you had what's called atypical angina. Angina is a Greek term for choking, actually. So most textbooks will describe this tightness in the upper part of your chest going to your jaw, down your left arm. And they always say accompanied sometimes by shortness of breath, nausea, and this term diaphoresis, which is just sweating all over. However, I think your story is far more common 
than than we want to admit. And especially with women, and I'm not being sexist, but it's very hard sometimes to diagnose coronary artery blockages in women, not because of who they are, but because their symptoms biochemically or, or bio, biologically are different. So your symptoms are consistent with your, your left anterior descending blockage. It's just right. that... You know, and let me tell you something. Your your doctor who t- yeah your doctor who told you to go to the ER and say you were having chest pain. The reason why is because if you said I have a twinge in my shoulder, the the triage people may not have thought anything about it, and had you go sit in the in the waiting room for a long period of time. And I've seen that happen. Right. Well, it took about two months before it came to that point. So my question, yeah. another question, would yeah. be. Why don't they do a blood test if there's any possibility, you know, obviously... Oh, you mean in the doctor's office? Yeah. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Here's the problem. Most doctor's offices don't have access to what we call a STAT lab, S-T-A-T. STAT means right away. And so one of the advantages of a hospital is they have these machines that are very complicated. Um, They uh, have uh, expensive... Um, components. So you can take in a hospital that tube of blood, run it down to the lab, and they run it through that machine and can come back with an answer right away. Now, because of people like you, we need this answer right away. Pretty soon we'll have a bedside test that'll also be available in a doctor's office to check the troponin. Now, we want to watch out about false positive, but the test you had was really sensitive and very specific for your problem. And so it's, it's fan- your doctor saved your life. They really did. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah, I, I realize that. They did. I haven't forgiven him for it yet. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you wound up having a stent put in. Is that right? He hates me. Yeah, they put in the stent, and that was the other thing. And then I'll let you go. Well, let me ask you a question. Do, do you feel better? put in the stent. Everything's fine. Uh, go see the cardiologist, and he says, uh, they got me on one of those blood thinners. He says, okay, I'll see you in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back a year later, see him, and he says, all right, well, I'll see you in a couple of years. Yeah. And I said, really? What is this, like changing a tire? He's concerned. I, I guess that's the way it works. I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking. I'm okay. thinking. I want to say this the right way because I don't want to. I don't want you to – I got to be very careful how I put this. Um, some doctors will rely on the family – primary care physician for routine follow-up. Mm-hmm. Your symptoms right. were unusual enough. And right. I'm just going to say it this way. If you were my patient, I would have seen you, say, a week after you had your stent, had you bring right. in your pills, because this they have you on Brilinta or an aspirin or Plavix and aspirin. No, it was uh, Brilinta. Yeah, so Brilinta is the newest kick. You know, it, it seems to be a little more effective in preventing these blood cells from clogging up the platelets mm-hmm. from clogging up your stent. Yeah. And so you sound like a very intelligent person, but I would have had you bring your pills in. I would have counted them, made sure you're taking them. And then six weeks later, I personally would have checked your cholesterol level. Okay. But a lot of cardiologists well, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. And then at six months, and then probably once a year if you were doing well. Now, it, well, here's the other really odd thing about this. Just, and then I'll let you go to get somebody else on. No, you're fine, Mike. We I love have, talking to you. I have, uh, abnormally uh, low slash good cholesterol. Okay. I don't have a I don't have a cholesterol problem. Let, let me tell uh, you something. One time when he checked it, he told me you're some kind of freak. I don't know what's going on here. 
He couldn't explain it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, do you know what your LDL is? Do you know what that number is? Okay, you should is, you should know it. Uh, go find it's, out. As good as it can get. Well, now, I've got it on uh, in my I chart my own stuff and I've got it. I'm just driving and I, I yeah. can't remember. Mike, you you face a greater risk of crashing into a light pole, talking on the radio, <laughs> hands free on your phone. Hands free. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thanks. I'm just God concerned. Bless. All right, I'm going to bring Mike. up. I'm going to bring up one thing. Yeah, go ahead. The HDL doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Good. Don't ever worry about the quote-unquote good cholesterol. It's fallen by the wayside. Now, if you have a low HDL, it means that it's more riskier in the future you'll develop a heart problem. But all the medicines that we've tried to raise the HDL have not only not worked; they made heart situations worse. Now, the only number. Well, okay, the number one number you need to know is what your LDL is. That's the low-density lipoprotein. That's the bad cholesterol. And let me tell you, even if your number was quote-unquote normal and you had a heart problem, like our gentleman did, it needs to be lower. Now, we used to think that the normal range was the normal range. And so that is an average range based on a large population of people. If your LDL cholesterol was 80 and you had a blockage, it needs to be 30. If your LDL cholesterol was 150 and you had a blockage, it needs to be 70. And remember, one thing that the statins do, those are the number one medicines we use. They're wonderful medicines. They Yes, Mm -hmm. they can cause side effects. And yes, I had the same side effect, leg pain. But it's still a fantastic group of medications. They not only lower the cholesterol by by making your liver produce less LDL. And believe me, it most of the cholesterol is not from your eggs that you eat. Mm-hmm. It's from what your liver produces. Well, not this the statins not only lower that level of cholesterol, but they serve a function of reducing inflammation. That's the bugaboo we always talk about, inflammation, the immune system. And there are immune cells inside your arteries. So when they're inflamed by an activated immune system, it's much more likely you're gonna clot off that cholesterol blockage and cause a heart attack. So the statins reduce inflammation. So I have doctors calling me up and they say, why do you have this patient on the maximum dose of atorvastatin, 80 milligrams, when their LDL cholesterol is 40? And I say, because they've had heart attacks with their LDLs of 70 and 80, and we also want to reduce inflammation. So if your doctor tells you your cholesterol is too high and you go to Aunt Sue or Betty Jean mm-hmm. and they say, what's your number? And you tell them it was 80 and they say, that doctor's crazy because that's a normal number. Well, we now know it's what's normal for you, not what's normal for the general population. So the number you need to ask your doctor is what's my LDL? And if you've had a heart attack, you say, what's my LDL, or a stent, what was my LDL before, Mm -hmm. and what is it now? You know what my number is? No. 11. So I had- 11? Yeah. I had a CAT scan of my chest when they thought I had cancer. I don't have cancer. Good. And I had a collection of calcium on my left anterior descending, that same thing as our caller did. That's the Widowmaker. Now, luckily, I passed my stress test, and it turned out the blockage wasn't bad. I had an LDL of 180, and I'd always ignored it. 
So I went yeah. on a particular medicine. I don't want to condemn this medicine because it's a great medicine, but I got muscle cramps. Mm-hmm. So I switched medicines, and then I went on a shot, which we'll talk about in a future uh, show. The PCSK9 inhibitor, Repatha, is the one I went on. My cholesterol went down to 11. And I went and had a CAT scan a year and a half later. It's almost gone. Now, yeah. The thing people don't realize, the lower the better. It cannot be too low. Okay. All right. Let's talk about that and the other things that we were going to talk about before Lee and Mike filled up the show with good well, I information. I love Lee and Mike. Call it. No, the just, point is, we, like can, we, can wait, we, can, we can go down one road <laughs> and go back to the other road. Yep. And I love it because I think what's on people's minds is what we're here to address. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. And we're going to talk about a fellow who took an herbal supplement, let's put it this way, an herbal blank supplement. He's 49 years old, and he had a, later that day, he had a uh, blood pressure of 280 over 160. What was the, what was the name of the supplement? Herbal blank supplement. I'll tell you in just a oh, minute. Oh, Lord. Was if it, we've was got it time, Parkinson's appendicitis. Ancient, ancient Chinese herbal it supplement. Was something. And what would a fella at about a certain age take in extreme amounts was it ginkgo Gal- it might have been i might don't know been. 919-860-9783 might not even get to that story you've if you got call me right stumped. now you've got me stumped. news radio 680 wptf and heart health now back to heart health yeah have a question for dr Weefold? call 919-890-9783 Okay, I left a blank in the headline. Oh, you okay. got me so worried. He, he, this guy took a supplement. Yeah. By the way, with Dave Alexander here, Dr. Franklin Weefald, he is with, tell me your company again. Millennia. I, Millennia Cardio, Cardiovascular. I love that word. It, it came from a car. Millennia. Yeah, you remember the Mazda Millennia? <laughs> okay. Yes. He named his practice after, after a, a car. car. Okay. But also, I, it was right around the turn sure. of the Millennia. Yeah. And Millennia has a lot of different things. But anyway. Okay, so supplement. this guy took a supplement. Yeah. It was a... a uh, let's put it this way. It was. He said it was to restore his nature. So let's, <laughs> let's be very specific. It was for erectile functions. So yes. He could have conjugal relationships. With, he wanted to have sex with his wife. Right. And that's a good thing. So, yohimbean. Yohimbean. It's from the bark of a tree in Africa. And what is it? It's a venoconstrictor. So what does that mean? The way that your nature works is that there is an increase in blood flow. Yeah. to the male yeah. sexual organ mm-hmm. and, through the arteries. And so that's how Viagra works. It dilates those arteries. Well, the other thing that happens is the veins constrict so yeah. it doesn't get out. Yes. Yohimbine works on the venous constriction. Now, here's the problem. In some people, there is an overlap of arterial constriction and venous constriction and vice versa. That's why Viagra doesn't work in some people not only do they not have enough blood flow in, but Viagra will dilate the vein so it doesn't stay in. So when this guy took Yohimbine, there was no way for him to know beforehand that his arteries were going to constrict as well yeah. and cause his blood pressure to skyrocket. They had a really, I looked at this article he gave me, they had a really tough time getting it down. This is why I warn people about um, herbal supplements. Now, 
The other thing about this is that the guy was embarrassed when he went to the emergency room and they said, are you taking any medicines? And they said, no. He said no, mm-hmm. because he was embarrassed to talk about you know something to help his nature, quote unquote. But he finally told him, and there's, I'm not gonna go into the details, but there's a very specific antidote, a type yeah. of medicine you can give to bring that blood pressure down. So that's why it's so important that you not be afraid to tell your doctor, tell him or her. It, Men are much less likely to tell female physicians, oh, yeah. women physicians about this situation. In front of their wives. Listen, yeah. whether it's a man or a woman, there's no difference in terms of their respect for individual patients and what they do in their own individual lives. We're not there to judge or criticize, and women aren't there to judge or criticize men and vice versa. Anyway, tell your doctor because there's a specific medicine that they had to give him to counteract the effect of yohimbine in his, bo- in his body. Terrible. And so, you know, when you go to the doctor, it, a lot of people freak out about spending $50, $60 on a prescription medicine. But when they come in and I've asked them to bring all their pills and they have two bags full of vitamins that must have cost them 250 bucks. Yeah. Don't think that natural, quote unquote, natural is better. Yohimbine comes from the bark of a West African tree. Yeah. And it was used by tribes there to enhance certain <laughs> activities. Sure. But in some people, it's poison. So remember, don't latch on to this idea that if it's natural, it's safe. It may work, okay, but it may not be safe, especially even if it's safe in a, not one group of individuals, it may not be safe for you. So. Okay. Good. On your advice, I talked to my doctor. See, this yes. is the whole point of the show is that Dr. Weefald is not everybody's do. doctor. Right. I'm not going to be. Right. And what he's going to do is going to tell us stuff, and then we go to our regular doctors. And I did. I'm diabetic, and I now have a prescription of, they call it Ozempic. Oh, 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 Ozempic. Have you seen the commercial? I haven't seen the commercial. Oh, yeah. So Trilogy is one, uh-huh. and Ozempic is one. I don't remember what Trulicity is, um, yeah, that song. He actually, uh, he talked to me about all three. Yeah, Trulicity, Ozempic, and the other one is called Bidurion. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And they what do they what? are, yeah, go ahead. You, you tell your experience. Go well, ahead. my experience is that my uh, my sugars are hard to control. When they do, I do control it. I've been on insulin. When I do take the insulin, I tend to go low. Yeah. I tend to crash. Right. I the the lights flash in the room. It's terrible. And, and I get sweaty and hypoglycemia. And, and the worst part is that I become stupid. Well. Well, I do. I how lose can they common tell? sense. Right. How can they tell? <laughs> but the point is, point is, I'll eat an entire three bowls of cornflakes. Oh my god. Because I'm. Yeah. Right, I think. Well, you don't no, carry not. like a little piece of hard candy with you. No, no in the middle of the night, I wouldn't take uh, candy. I would well, just leave the... that by your bedside, okay. a little glucose tablet. Okay, so what so is this, this medicine? Thing. It's called it's called a GLP one. Uh huh. And what it does, people who have type two diabetes, we've talked about this before, they actually have insulin. Yeah. It just doesn't work right. So it doesn't. Your your pancreas has the capability of of excreting insulin in response to your sugar levels, but it just doesn't do it right. Or, and or, the insulin you have doesn't have the same effect. 
Well, the nice thing about this medicine, Ozempic or Bidurian or Trulicity, is it makes your own insulin work properly. So it first came out as Bietta 10 years ago, but the problem was it was a twice a day injection. And then it came out as Victoza, and that was a once a day injection. They don't work as well as these because they're, they're engineered to last an entire week. So that's in your system for a week. These are. Yes. The new ones Ozempic, are. Ozempic, Bidurian, and, and uh, Trulicity. And let me tell you something. Yeah. I use these medicines all the time. Now, not everybody can take them. Sometimes some people will get diarrhea because one of the effects is to increase the stomach um, pushing through the food so it doesn't sit there mm-hmm. and cause more sugar to be absorbed. I love these medicines. Not everybody can take them. I would say maybe 4% will get nausea, and they can't take them. But if you can, the second greatest thing about these is not only that they control your sugar, and I'm going to say this is in a natural way, because we have this compound in our body called GLP-1, and they're giving you the GLP-1. It's making your insulin work the way it should, mm-hmm. um, and it lowers the risk of heart attack and death Yay. And needing to have a stent again. Amen. So, again, they're not for everybody. If you are a type 2 diabetic, not a type 1. Yep. Type 1 means you have no insulin. You can talk to your doctor about this. Don't tell them that Dr. Weefald said you should be on it. No. But there are many individuals where it works well. All right. We'll be back next Saturday at 4, Heart Health. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.